All right, would you guys open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Donnie and Joy, it's so good to see you guys. So I'm going to, real quick, um, I have five children and a wife of 24 years, and uh, they're not able to be here tonight. They've actually, we had like three different commitments going on today, and when Pastor Daniel spoke to me, I'm like, man, what a great honor. I'm Rachel, it would be really cool if I could go preach. I'm like, do you think it can work? And she's like, yeah, I think it can work. And so we moved some things around, but they're, they're not able to be here today. And, and uh, but um, I have five children. My oldest son uh, is 23 years old. He'll be 24 in December. And he has been overseas for the last three years ministering to the unreached people of the Muslim world. And uh, I actually... Got to go visit him about a year and a half ago. He was in he's in, he was in Amman, Jordan. He's actually in a little bit of a transition right now. Still doing missions to the to the unreached people of the world, but they've got him regrouped and they're they're doing a little bit different thing with him right now. But I go visit him in Amman, Jordan. He's been spending he spent the last three years studying Arabic. So I'm going to tell you, watching your grown child speak Arabic will blow your mind. <laughs> I'm like, how did you do that? He's like, yeah, it's in a lot of work. And, and, and I go and visit him, and I go to this, you know, this 99.8% predominantly Muslim, 100% Arabic-speaking nation, and I go and I spend a week with him in their ministry and what they're doing and how they're reaching the unreached people of the Middle East with the gospel. And it was actually an incredible experience. But part of the challenges in what they're doing is, is that when a, when, a, when a Muslim converts to Christianity in this particular culture that I was a part of, it was actually like, for many of them, you know, it, it was gonna cost them a lot to make a decision for Christ. For some, it actually cost them their life. For others, it meant that they would have been disowned by their family or they would be rejected or, you know, disinherited or, or a lot of different things. As a matter of fact, so tonight's theme, what I wanna talk about is I wanna talk about disillusionment in our lives. And so my son goes to the mission field, big vision to reach the Muslim world with the gospel, but they have labored and shared the gospel with thousands, literally thousands of Muslims with their team. And to date, to my knowledge, to date, they have seen one convert. Laboring, sharing, faithful, just proclaiming Jesus. He's the only way. Sharing in Arabic and reaching as many people as they can. And they've, they've had one convert to date. Now, I met a man while I was over there who... Um, who, had, who was born in a, Muslim, a traditional Muslim home, and uh, his sister had come to Christ, and when she became a Christian, she went home and told her family that she had become a Christian, to which the family was very upset, and they were greatly offended, so much so that this was the ultimate dishonor for someone to leave the Islamic faith to become a Christian. The dad was enraged. This is in the city of Amman, the very city that I was in. Brought the daughter, brought his daughter outside the home into the middle of the street and literally beat her to death in front of her family. I met her brother while I was there. I met a guy that actually saw his dad kill his sister because she became a Christian. Blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh. 
I, the, the level of, but, but for the sister who had become a Christian, her death, her dying at the hands of her dad because of her, her trust in the Lord Jesus for her life, her brother then became a Christian. See, the devil never wins. He never wins. And I watched this and I thought about the disillusionment that my son experiences and day after day just sharing the gospel with people and, and, and not really seeing the fruit of it. Just believing that one day God's going to open their heart. The seed's been planted. God's going to cause it to grow. They're just trying to be faithful to the Lord. And so just kind of a little bit disillusioning there. You work so hard, you expect more fruit. And you're like, Lord, I thought, you know, disillusionment is, you know, realizing it's coming. It's like, man, this thing hasn't actually happened the way I thought it was going to happen. And, and so it's been very challenging at times, but they've just been, it's been an amazing time for them. It's been, they've had some victories, they've had some dif- disappointments and some lows. And so this last year, their organization, they had a transition in leadership. And so they've asked my son and daughter-in-law to come back from the Middle East and work with their training department and lead short-term, terms, short-term teams back to the Middle East. They're ministering to Syrian refugees, Kurdish people, Iraqi people. It's a pretty incredible thing what they're getting to do. So I, I share this story with you for this purpose. In October, my son texted me the date of it. I was asking him on the way to church tonight. Um, bear with me here. So on October 15th through November 4th, my son has, is going to be helping to spearhead and lead a team of people into Mosul, Iraq, to go into refugee camps with a team of about 100 different teams, and they're going to go into these tents and these, in these refugee camps and share the gospel with people. So God's opened an incredible door. Their goal in 21 days is while they're doing this, they're also going to have teams of people that are praying simultaneously while they're doing outreach in this, in this refugee camp. These people have seen their family members killed by ISIS. They have been, they've fled the Iraqi government, doesn't have infrastructure to support them, so they put them in a refugee camp. Very difficult situations, pretty hopeless feeling stuff. And, and while they're doing this, they're going to go share the gospel with 10,000 Muslims in 21 days. Wow. It's pretty incredible. So I'm just share that with you. If the Lord reminds you, pray for them. It's gonna be between October 15th and November 4th. Just pray for them that God would open the heart of these Muslim people because right now, without Christ, they're without hope. But with Christ, we have the hope of eternity. Amen? And so I just, I just share that with you. So tonight, as we look at Luke 24, I'm going to pray and we're going to get started. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that at, the, at your, the, the, your word, when your word comes, Lord, light comes with it. And we pray that the light of the gospel would shine brighter in our hearts tonight. Lord, that we would be equipped, we would be encouraged, we would, Lord, I believe tonight you want to give us a tool that we can put in our toolbox that we can take with us into the future. Lord, that we would be able to stand, we'd be able to be faithful and committed to you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Luke 24, starting in verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus. So context, background, Jesus had been crucified. He was dead and buried, and he was just resurrected at this point. So the word hadn't gotten out yet, 
to many people that Jesus was raised from the dead. So there's these guys that are walking on the road to Emmaus. And they're going to this village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing Jesus himself, turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus himself. Jesus. He approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. Turn to your neighbor and say, looking sad. <laughs> one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word and in the sight of God, and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also, some women among us amazed us. And when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly, just exactly, as the woman also had said. But him they did not see, and he said to them, verse 25, O foolish man and slow of heart to believe, in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them these things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he reclined at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and they vanished from their sight. We're going to finish on verse 32. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? How many of you guys want to have a burning heart for Jesus? So when the Lord speaks this incredible experience that happens to these followers of Jesus who were discouraged and disillusioned on the way, they were hoping that Jesus wasn't going to be crucified. They, were, they had believed that Jesus was going to come at that point in time and set up an earthly kingdom and set on a physical throne and the nation of Israel drive out the Roman oppression at the time. They were disillusioned. They thought it was going to go down one way. They had just seen their friend crucified on a, Christ, on a cross. They said this did not happen. This did not play out the way we thought it was. Now they're discouraged. They're disillusioned. And what happens when we're disillusioned many times, there's two choices we can make. The first choice is we can quit. We can give up. We can say, man, this didn't work out right. We go through, we enter marriage. You know, sometimes we get married because we think it's going to make us happy. Right? Really, God uses marriage to make us holy. Right? He teaches us how to die to ourselves. He, 
He, he teaches us about how, you know, you may not think you're a selfish person until you get married. <laughs> right? And so we go through this stuff, and, and, and we, we think, well, this is going to give me happiness, and this is going to bring me joy. And then you're like, this is not what I signed up for. This isn't the way I thought it was going to go down. And so there's disillusionment. You might get a job thinking, this is it. <laughs> This is going to make me happy. This is what's going to, you know, this is going to fix all my problems. You might have a relationship. You think this relationship, this is it. This is what's going to do it for me. And it doesn't. And then we're tempted to quit. We're like, well, that just doesn't work. I tried it. It doesn't work. It didn't work. I'm discouraged. Or... What you can do, like I'm in a season right now where the Lord's just dealing with my heart, but like I've been disillusioned a little bit, and there's been many seasons of my life I've entered a season and I'm just disillusioned. It just isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. And that time when you're disillusioned, you can be tempted to quit, or you can say this disillusionment, the enemy may mean it for harm. He may use this circumstance to immobilize me and to pull me out of the will of God in my life, or... I can take this disillusionment and allow it to actually be a gift from God in my life to point me to Jesus. And so, so when we experience disillusionment in our lives, the Lord wants it to be something that he uses in our life to remind us that really the satisfaction and the joy of life is actually found in the presence of God. Psalm 1611, and actually I want to, Read it to you. Can we, can we turn to Psalm 1611 real quick? Man, you want to know what this is all about? Life. The psalmist says this. You will make known to me the path of life. The psalmist said, my creator, my God, is going to show me what this whole thing is all about. He's going to reveal to me, what is my purpose? What was I created to do? Who was I created for? What is my life all about? You know, we chase after many, many things. We get sucked into our smartphones. We get sucked into different things, vices, stuff that, that can distract us and end up leaving us empty. The Bible says if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life, but if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption, right? And so, so God invites us in, in our, dis, our times of disillusionment in our life. He says when you're disillusioned, it's an internal reminder that you weren't created for those things. You were created for me. You were created to walk with me. You were created to abide in relationship with me. I read again, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Not in how many friends we have on Facebook. Not in the wealth that we acquire. There's a lot of wealthy people that are not happy. It's empty at the end of the day. You're not going to bring it with you. Then he says, in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Some translation says, there are pleasures forevermore. So when you think about your life, your, the history of your life, your journey, 
wherever you are in your walk with God. I pray that you've had some experience with the Lord in your life where God has revealed himself to you. The Lord's opened the eyes of your heart, and it was God was more than a name to you, but that you actually began to experience uh, a moment, an encounter with the living God. That's my prayer for you. So if Christianity for you is simply a bunch of do's and don'ts and you don't have the relationship component out of it, you're just in religion. There are rules. There are boundaries. There's, there's things that the Lord sets around our lives. But the goal that God had from the beginning is that we would walk with him, that we would have communion, we would experience him. And, you know, it is a battle because of the world that we live in and the things that are going on and just the weaknesses of our own flesh to actually engage in the relationship with God, to experience him. I reminded years ago when we first started coming to the church here and uh, we were wanting to connect. We like so esteemed you guys and we still do. I didn't mean that past tense, but we love you. We really do. And and I remember, I'm like, man, Rachel, I really want to connect with them. I really love to just sit down and just share a little bit and talk the word and do stuff and just and connect. And we were always busy, and we were able to have a time where we sat down and we went to Palmer. We had it Turkey Red. I don't know if you remember that years ago. And we're having this conversation, and we're just sharing about the Lord and what God's done in our life. And I went into this story with Pastor Daniel about this time of my life where, like, the Lord was highlighting the 23rd Psalm to me. And man, it was just I had this incredible experience with the 23rd Psalm and things that the Lord was speaking to me about what he was doing in my life through the scripture. And God was opening up my understanding of what he was doing in the current circumstances of my life. I was in a dark spot. And we had this conversation and we're sitting around just a a rich time. I left. I'm like, you know, that was good. I I felt built up. You know, some you guys, we need edifying relationships in our life. We need relationships that are going to build us up. Now, you are going to have some relationships that are going to pull on you, and those are places of ministry where you need to pour out to other people. But if your life is only one directional and you're just getting the life sucked out of you all the time, get into an edifying relationship with somebody. It's so important. And so I was edified that night. Next morning, we get up. I was traveling for work or something, and I dialed in to Skype and listened to the early morning prayer. And the early morning prayer is going on, and they're Pastor Daniel, I don't know if you're still doing it this way, but you had the stream going for the first half hour before you entered in the time of just intercession. And the the people that were playing music and the songs that they were singing on the web stream, they were actually singing the about the they were singing the 23rd Psalm. I was somewhere else. I wasn't in the building. Pastor Daniel texts me, he says, Scott. They're singing about the 23rd Psalm. We were just talking about this last night. And it was like one of those little reminders where the Lord's like, I heard your conversation. I am with you. I am working in your life. I want to encourage you. You guys, God wants to encourage us. He wants us to know that he is with us. He wants us to be aware. Paul, over and over in the Gospels, as he prays for the church, and he reminds the church of the truth of the Gospel, he reminds the Philippians, he says, I am confident, you guys, of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. God is with you. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. I want to encourage you. But we forget it. We get discouraged. Mike Bickle says it this way. And a lot of us that, you know, we want to be good Christians. I want to be a good Christian. I want to be faithful to God. But sometimes my focus is on me and not the Lord, and I start doing this in the flesh. 
and I blow it and I get condemned. Mike Bickle says it this way, if you're easily proud, you're easily condemned. We go through these roller coasters, and the Lord actually wants to stabilize us. The Lord wants to keep us steady. He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to trust in his unfailing love. He wants us to be obedient and just to, follow, to be able to follow him. And so the, the Lord does this, and when we go through times of disillusionment in our lives, it's easy to get dis discouraged, but we will face disillusionment. We will face times and circumstances in our life like the disciples on the road to Emmaus where we think God's going to do something a certain way. And it doesn't happen the way that we thought it was going to happen. We get ahead of God. And we start to get discouraged. But when you feel that on your heart, on the inside of you, don't let it pull you into depression. Let it propel you to prayer. Let it bring, let it bring you to a place that's like, Lord... I was disillusioned because my attention was on this instead of you, and I want to fix my gaze on you. I want to focus on you and what you're saying. The other day, I was going through just a challenge. You guys, you hear my life? Challenge, dark time, this, that, the other. I go through stuff. We all do. I'm trying to relate with you. We're, we go through stuff, and I... We live in rural Illinois. We're family pastors at a Little Assemblies of God Church in rural Illinois, a community of about 2,700 people. And uh, the enemy was attacking me, and, you know, the enemy messes with our minds and, and gets us thinking certain things, and we get this whole, it's like a, 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 uh, like a, a ball of twine that starts to unwind sometimes in our mind, and our thoughts start to get carried away from us. And I was just starting to get into a battle. Inside, outwardly, no one probably knew what was going on. But inwardly, Scott was in a battle. And we have this, we live in our community about, I mean, we live really close to our little school in our community. We have a little K through 12 school. It's not that little. It's got like 400 students in it. And there's a track around the football field. And, and so we can go and I'm like, God, I got to hear from you. I just need to hear from you. And so I walk the track one time and I'm just talking to the Lord and I like to walk and pray. That's just how I am. And, uh, and then I'm like, I'm going to take the next lap. It's a quarter mile track. I'm just going to pray in the spirit for one lap. I'm just going to pray. Bible says we don't know how to pray. I'm trying to pray. I don't feel like I'm hitting the target. Scripture teaches we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And I'm like, I'm going to pray in the Spirit for a little while. God, you gave me a tool. If you have the gift of tongues in your life, you need to use it. It's not a trophy you put on a shelf. It's something that you apply to your daily life. We are actually going to give an account for, to the Lord for what we do with the gifts that he gives us. And Tongues, the gift of tongues is part of that. Jack Hayford say that. Jack Hayford said that. That's a pretty solid guy there. And, and, and so I'm walking around, the, and so I take a lap, and I just pray in the Spirit, and I walk a lap, and I'm expecting the Lord to speak to me about the circumstance I'm praying about, like, like I'm carrying in my heart. And I get one lap done, and I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm not hearing from the Lord. And I just felt like I just need to take another lap. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, take another lap. <laughs> And so I walk around the track again, and I'm praying in the Spirit, and I'm determined. I'm not going to, I'm going to go the whole time. I'm going to pray in tongues. So I'm, I'm walking around the track, and I'm praying in tongues. I pray, and I get to the end of my second lap. So this is only a half a mile. So I, I get to the end of my, and the Lord just quickens something into my spirit about what he wants to do in our community. It had nothing to do with what was going on in my mind. It was like the Lord said, Scott, that's just, you're, you're getting off point. This is what I want you to focus on. 
And so he spoke to me something about what he wants to do in our community. The state of Illinois, where we live, is in a mess. It's a mess. (laughs) And uh, the government, the last three governors are in jail. I mean, it's been a lot of, it's just been a big mess. And and so, I miss Alaska. (laughs) This stuff is so crazy. There's no place like Alaska, you guys. They just get out here and gun it, don't they? They know you're preaching, and they do it. Those guys are knuckleheads. Lord help them. And so... (laughs) They are. Okay, so, so, so we're like... And I just felt like the Lord quickened to my spirit that... He wanted to make our little community of Pawnee, Illinois, like Goshen. Goshen, for those of you that don't know, was a place in Egypt where the Israelites, when when uh, Joshua went into Egypt, when he, or when Joseph, excuse me, when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers into Egypt, and he rose to a place of prominence, he had, was able to, because of his influence, to set apart some land for the Israelites that were going to come. It was he was preparing prophetically what, for what was going to happen. They had that in the Jew in the family of Israel for 400 years, and we read about how God used Goshen as a place of sanctuary and refuge in the middle of a dark place during a dark time to protect the Israelites from the plagues that took place in Egypt, to prepare them to go into their promised land. And I just felt like the Lord spoke to me that that was something that he wanted to do. And it was a place of presence for the Lord. It was a place where the Lord, and then soon, shortly thereafter, we had somebody come to our church, and uh, they were driving down the interstate, and they, they had a benevolence need. And uh, they, people come to church sometimes because the church, you know, they'll, sometimes will help people out, right? We're supposed to help people out. And so they show up at the church, and, and I was a little bit like, oh, here comes another person that has a need, and I have to deal with it. Anybody ever been that way? Not the right heart. Okay. I'm getting some looks. So, so like, and I'm like, I'm really kind of tuned out to what's going on. And I'm just like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go hear this story. They're going to tell me about something that's going on in their life and how they just need some help. And ah, I just don't want to deal with this right now. Forgive me. Okay. I know I'm supposed to be better than that, but that's where I was at in my heart. And, uh, and so I end up going to the person and Sure enough, they were on a trip, and they had forgotten a card, and they, they were on their way to Texas from Michigan, and they needed some help with gas, and I thought, uh, here we go. And, and so I go talk to my pastor. He was there, and I said, hey, Pastor A.B., I said, hey, what do you think? And he says, let's go buy him a tank. I said, we're never going to see this person again. I said, do you really want to do this? And he says, no, we need to do it. Let's just let's go help this person out. And I'm like, Okay. So then we go outside and we start talking to the lady and she introduces, she tells us her name. We have this whole story. We ended up ministering to this woman for like 10 or 15 minutes. She's in tears. We're praying for her. And I, and then we get her the gas and we send her on her way and we tell her God loves her and we've shared the gospel with her. And when I got done with that, I was driving back to the church and it was like the Lord reminded me, he says, Scott, Scott, I want this to be Goshen. I want this to be a place, even though we live in a dark place right now, I want to be able to entrust you to send people your way that you're going to help link them up with me. It's not convenient for you, but, but it's not about you. <laughs> it's not convenient. And so, and, 
And it was just a little reminder of that. And it was like, you know what? The greatest joy of your life is obviously being in the will of God, being sensitive to the spirit. But the joy of your life is found in the presence of the Lord. You, can, you may think you need a circumstance to change in your life, but I want to tell you, God wants to change your heart towards your circumstance. God wants you to view your circumstance as an opportunity to get to know him better and to grow closer in your relationship with him. It's not that God, you know, if you hit the escape button, if you're one of those people that you like to hit the escape, I got to get out, man, it's hard, I got to get out. And if you have that escapism mentality, you are missing an incredible opportunity for you to grow in your relationship with God. So learn to pray this way when you go through a dark time, a time of disillusionment. Learn to pray this way, Lord, how do you want me to know you in this season of life? God, how do you want me to know you? Lord, how do you want me to know you? And I pray this prayer regularly. When I start to feel uncomfortable, and God is not committed to our comfort. God's committed to our character development. And when I and so when I when I when I start to just pray that way, my life, when I'm like, Lord, how do you want me to know you in this? You want me to know you. You know, Jesus said it this way: eternal life. We think about eternal life, about what's gonna happen to us when we die. Jesus said, eternal life is knowing God the Father and His Son whom He sent. It's having relationship with God, experiencing the divine exchange. It's knowing the Lord. I remember years ago, I'm looking at Gail Harvey. And Gail, would you wave to the people? She's like, I put you on the Gail, just give us a wave. Gail was a part of uh, the church there in Wasilla for years while we were working there. And, and uh, I remember one time praying at the altar for Gail. And I was there praying at the altar. And I remember the Lord gave me a phrase. I, don't, I might butcher it, but it was something about you being a rose in the Lord's sight. I don't know if you remember that or not, Gail. And I prayed this over her. And it was just something the Lord gave me to pray, and I prayed it. And then Gail turns back, and she was obviously touched by the Lord. And she looks back at me, and she says, Scott, the Lord was speaking to this, this exact phrase to me earlier this week. You just confirmed what God was speaking. It was just one of those great reminders along the way that God's with us, and he loves us, and he cares about us, and he's intimately involved in the affairs of our life. Do you remember that, Gail? You don't? I remember it. It was great. I didn't make that up. That's not for good preaching material. That really happened, you guys. So let's look at this. How am I doing? Let's go back to Luke 24 really quick. We're going to wrap this up. We'll have a time of prayer. And uh, are you guys encouraged tonight? Okay. All right. When Jesus opens the scriptures to them, do you realize this? Like Jesus came to their house for dinner. How many of you guys want Jesus to come to your house for dinner? <laughs> like the Son of God, the uncreated God of the universe, to come into your living room, to sit on your couch, and then to come to your table and to eat food with you. This is incredible. God is there. An amazing thing, and we get to, this is part of our privilege. I pray over my home regularly that the presence of the Lord would fill my home. 
I pray that my children, my family, and man, the devil doesn't like it. He fights us tooth and nail. He does through strife and different things. And I just keep going back to the truth. It's like God wants to walk with us. He wants us to experience his presence. He wants us to do life in dynamic partnership with him as the head. And so in Luke 24, the guys are walking down the road. Jesus acts like he's going to go a different way, and then they implore him to come with them to their home. What do you think Jesus is doing? When Jesus is walking with them, and he's walking this way, and they start to branch off, and Jesus is kind of, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Man, we've just had some great conversation with you. Only Jesus can rebuke you, and you feel good about it. And man, you have, man, like there's, we're just like connecting. My heart is stirred. Don't go. Would you just please? They don't know it's Jesus at this point. Would you just come? Would you just come to our house? And so that Jesus ends up coming to their house. Do you think Jesus from the beginning really wanted to come to their house? Absolutely. He wanted to know if they wanted him to come to his house. The question that the Lord continually brings back to my own heart is, you know, we can offer a lot of lip service in church. We can. We can come up and say, God, all in. I'm doing it. And it's good to do that. But in the, in, the, in the privacy of our own personal life, in the way that we live our life, in the way that we manage our life, in the way that we manage our time, do we really put our words to action. Do we really do that? And I don't mean this as a point of condemnation, but for me, it's like, Lord, I'm so easily distracted. Anybody here distracted? How many of you are like, squirrel, right? You're gone, right? You're like, there's a car, what happened? You know, and we're all over the place. And the Lord really wants to dial us, uh, dial us in. The Song of Solomon, there's an interesting phrase in the Song of Solomon, and it talks about the lover having eyes like a dove. A dove is a unique bird, and their eyes are very intently focused on what they're looking at. They're not easily distracted. And the symbolism and the prophetic uh, message of that particular verse in the Bible is that God would give us eyes for him, that we would have a gaze that's just locked in on the Lord all the time. We can enjoy relationship with one another, but we want it to be God that's working in the relationship. When I'm spending time with someone and I'm with I'm in my heart I'm leaning on the Lord I'm like Lord what's the purpose of this relationship what do you want me to say what are you doing how do you want me to know you in this relationship and to have the Lord be a part of that and to be focused on my relationship with God at the same time as enjoying fellowship with other does that make sense so Jesus though he acted like he was going to go another way really really wanted to be with those guys he wanted to wow them. He wanted to open the scriptures and convince their heart that he's who he says he is. He does it, their hearts are burning, and then he vanishes. What, a, what an incredible moment. How many of you guys, you want to have a heart that burns as you encounter the Lord? That will propel you forward in your life. You're, you're the, the exchange and the dynamic of encountering the Lord will truly be the only thing in your life that will really satisfy you. Things won't satisfy you. You will be empty. You can give your life chasing the American dream or trying to acquire this, that, and the other. 
But if you can find a, a place in your own heart where you give yourself to the Lord and you give yourself to really walking with him and knowing him and, and experiencing his love for you in your life and just have that ongoing conversation with him. King David, and I close with this, King David was described by God as being a man after God's own heart. A pretty unique description for God to make about someone. This guy got God's attention. And I believe with all of my heart, the reason that the Lord described King David this way was because he saw that David got it. David understood that he was created for relationship with God. And the Lord looked at that and described him, I want to seek a man that's, I want to put a man on the throne who's after my own heart. Somebody who gets it. You guys, the Lord wants to make us that way. He wants to make us a person a people that are after his own heart. And when we do that, our hearts will burn. We'll be inspired. We'll be moved by the Holy Spirit. We'll be anointed. We'll walk in our destiny and what God's called us to do in our lives. I want to pray for you that I'm going to give it back to Pastor Daniel. Would you stand? Lord, we can't love you without you helping us. Lord, it takes God to love God. It takes the grace of God. And Lord, tonight, Lord, I pray for everyone here. Lord, I pray that we would experience an unusual grace from you tonight. Lord, to be able to love you like we've never loved you before. To be able to abide with you like we've never abided with you before. That we would experience relationship with you as you planned it from the beginning. Lord, I pray that you would quicken us. I pray that, Lord, we would have burning hearts for you. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would move us. Lord, that you would deliver us from distraction. Lord, that you would propel us to prayer. Lord, that you would ignite us with passion. That we would, by the grace of God, be able to say no to lesser pleasures. Temporary pleasures that leave us empty. And that we would say yes to the superior pleasure of knowing you in your presence where there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand where there are pleasures evermore. We love you. Bring us into that place with you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, put your hands together for God. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Yeah, wow. That was great. Ushers, would you help us? We're going to bless Pastor Phillips, Pastor Scott Phillips. I really enjoyed that. That ministered to me. To get touched by the Lord. That's something we should listen to over and over and over again. You know, suffering... beloved friend, our dear, our dear Pastor Scott, 
know, he'd been through some stuff. I've been through some stuff. Anybody else been through some stuff? I don't really care for suffering. Oh, but I sure like what it does for me. I'm not asking for any more, you know. But there's something about going deep in God in the midst of your circumstances. Suffering produces in the human heart something that nothing else can. Desperation. Man, I got touched. That was a great word. <laughs> Come on, put your hands together one more time for Pastor Scott. Praise the Lord. Make it out check, make it out to KC. The entirety of this offering will go to him and, uh, and his beautiful family. If you want to give use in the app, of course you can do that. Ushers, would you come, please? Yeah, he didn't ask to speak, didn't ask for an honorarium. He just came to worship God with us this morning. Pretty cool text, right? That Shiloh thing is pretty cool. Oh, you have to come speak to us. And I'm so glad I got ministered to. And I know you did too. Wonderful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we, we praise you. Lord, for Philip's family, they are such a treasure, such a joy, so anointed with such depth. Lord, you brought them through in every trial and every challenge. And you've placed them, Lord as a trophy of your grace to express even the deep things, simple and deep things of God to us tonight. We pray a blessing upon him and his marriage, his children, or his missionary son, Lord on Kennedy. We pray, oh God, for your hand to come in an increasing way upon him. I'm to remind you to write books in you. Pastor, there's books in you. At times, the enemy would whisper to you to disqualify you and say, well, you know, that's already been said before or whatever, but I'm telling you the unique way to be able to communicate. And if you will write, it will impact not only Goshen, but all those that, that read. I see, God, I see God releasing books to you, preaching, more and more preaching assignments and invitations will come. So Lord, thank you so much for the gift that you've given us in this precious, faithful, loyal man of God, woman of God, the Phillips family. Bless them now.
made a decision for Jesus, won't you do it tonight? Won't you give your heart to him, maybe for the first time, or if you drifted, won't you just come back home? Come on, just talk to him if that's you. Come on, believe on the Lord. Ask him to be your Lord. Ask him to be your Savior. He said, no, I'm serving God. Well, ask him to expand your capacity to love him more. Ask him to expand your heart. Come on, just talk to Jesus for a moment. If you need to get right with God, repent, get right with him right now. Lord, thank you. We love you, Lord. Lead us, guide us in the way of everlasting, the path of life. Thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. I'm going to close tonight. We do have our Sunday night uh, team here to minister to you prophetically and to pray over you. They're, they're beginning to come. And um, we'll hope to see you down there on the uh, at the river. For those of you that are going dip netting, you don't want to miss Wednesday night. If you're here, you're in town. Minister Gil Nantes is going to be preaching the word to you. Amen. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be great. What a powerful time tonight. Family night here at Casey. Lift your hands. Let me bless you. Father, thank you so much for your goodness towards us. I ask that you would bless your people and cause your face to shine upon us, O oh God. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We we'll hope to see you. Praise the Lord. It's your breath. It's your breath.